Leads, leads, leads. What is happening? Welcome to Working Hours, an oral history podcast about a place called Leeds, a time called now, and an activity called work. Working Hours wants to record 1,000 loiners over the course of this, the most important decade in the history of the human species, and ask them about what they do all day and hear how they feel about it. My name is Simon, and this is all my fault. My mission here is to try to map out what my city, Leeds, a city that has declared a climate emergency, did during humanity's biggest emergency. On working hours, we hear how loiners have, are, and will be coping with our multiple and expanding crises during their day-to-day working hours. Can we turn things around? We'll find out. To tell this story, I need loiners. Loiners like you, dear listener. I need people in Leeds or people from Leeds to come on this podcast and just tell me what they do all day and let me record how this affects us. Thank you for listening. What did you want to be when you grew up? I always wanted to be making things. Mm. So in some capacity, I wanted to be making something. Kind of that making thing wasn't necessarily building physical things for a long time I wanted to be a chef and worked as a chef through uni so that was making and creating food and meals obviously so I was still in that capacity of high intense stress deadline perfection so it was up from being five years old I was working and doing bits with my dad in the garage or on my own in the garage making stuff so always hands-on so yeah quite lucky really because that's what I've ended up doing and you know it's kind of a hobby rather than a job although that balance has definitely changed somewhat of late but Mm -hmm. but yeah making anything creative making building something from a raw material to a finished product so did you have a lot of like toy wise was it all lego and meccano or did you stick to one over the other or yeah, so I started with like a wooden brio. I had a wooden brio set. I, thought, I still remember the set. It was a big case with a wooden sliding lid on it. Really heavy. Couldn't I could never. I used to remember waking my dad up at like five in the morning to put these like cog plastic cog tire wheels around these wooden wheels so that I could create some form of car or motorbike or crane mm-hmm. or something. So that's my first memory of like a, a building tangible material where I was nuts and bolts putting them through I I couldn't tell you how old I was but definitely five six seven Mm. age that then went to kind of a that was a brio that was from the toy shop that used to be in the St John's Centre in Leeds Mm. early learning centre was it there was an early learning centre toy shop I used to be obsessed with that shop the tractors and the brio that kind of progressed to a Meccano then that went to like a Lego, but I quite quickly just went to actual building materials in the garage, mm. wood, anything I could get my hands on that my dad was left lying around that looked free for taking. <laughs> You're listening to Series 4, Episode 23, and to my guest, Paul Rutherford. This is another Zoom interview recorded on the 12th of June, 2023. Paul Rutherford lives in Garforth and grew up in Headingley. 
studying design at York St. John and then staying on in York for a few years until meeting his now wife, who lived in Leeds. At the same time as that, Paul was also starting his business in Leeds. It just made sense to move back. Paul is now the director of 3Create, a 50-50 partnership with business partner a 50-50 partnership with business partner Matt. In a nutshell, 3Create design and manufacture a wide range of products and provide an equally wide range of services. In business for nine years this October, 3Create work on projects such as shop fittings, marketing activations, event builds, and much, much more. 3Create have a workshop just outside of Leeds in Nottingley and moved there due to massive cost increases in Leeds city centre. Just before starting the business and meeting his wife Kate, Paul was struggling with anxiety and having panic and having panic attacks. Paul says that the experience changed my confidence and direction in life. Everything unfolded for the better in the end, but I still must battle with those mental health struggles when they decide to creep in. Right, let's do this. Episode 103 of Working Hours with Paul Rutherford. So we'll just jump into uh, what is it that you do now? Okay, so now I run a design and manufacture company. We've been going nine years this year, and we build anything and everything, really. Um, And we kind of work in marketing. We work in shop fitting. We work in one-off pieces, furniture pieces, through to, you know, shop fit install, an office fit out, a varied range of different sectors that we work in. so it's it's hands-on it's machines it's woodwork not not traditional i'm no traditional carpenter by any means it's very much kind of problem solution computer to help us work it out put it on a machine if that's possible let the machine do all the hard work me and the guys my business partner matt will then kind of put that together and send it out so quite a quick a quick turnaround process is what we sort of strive for, but all creative, all building, all starting with that raw material mm. being delivered in through to a, a finished product. Mm. And sort of, so how how wide is your customer base? Are you like regional, national, international? Uh, yeah, it's, I always say, I always moan about this. I always say like, it's got to be more work outside of Leeds. We're always just doing stuff in Leeds, but... Yeah, I mean, we've been we've been through to well, we've been to Paris. We've done a job in Paris, so that's as far as we've gone. We've made things that have been sent out mm. to Singapore, New York. So you kind of start, you know, you come home and you can say to the kids, "Oh, I've just sent something to Singapore today," or to New York, and you know, the the glamour that they see of that side of it is like, <laughs> "Oh, wow!" But actually, it was a bit of foam that we just machined out and sent there. It's really, <laughs> really boring, but I just bring home the interesting side of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, predominantly Leeds, Yorkshire. We've done a lot in London and a lot. Glasgow is, for, for years, we were in Glasgow all the time, but that's kind of petered off a bit now. Uh, but, yeah, Leeds is a good a good stronghold. Mm, yeah, there's always, always, always building work. And you've got the building college as well, which must be quite useful occasionally. Yeah, yeah, we've, yeah. We've had some good apprentices through the building college, actually. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a good. There's there's an abundance in Leeds, and Leeds is you know, I mean, we're, we're not meant to be spending any money, but Leeds is still spending money, and you know, it it or we're not the perception is we're not supposed to be spending money, but mm. Leeds is still you know it's still busy. We're you know we're 
were booked up. You know, we're not, I'm not twiddling my thumbs. I've got mm. a very messy workshop, which my dad always says a messy workshop is a busy workshop. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's a positive. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go into the, how you got into it. Take us through the story. Obviously there's a bit of chefing in there, as you mentioned. Bit of, bit of chefing. Yeah. Mm. So I, I was in six foot while well, I was at school and I, all my friends did design technology. I did food technology mm. and it's, and my wife tells me, I say it's confidence. My wife tells me it's pure arrogance. Some of the decisions I make, I, my understanding of what they did in design technology in GCSE was making a chessboard or making this or making that. And I was like, I've been doing that in my dad's garage since I was five years old. I don't, mm. I can do that with my eyes shut. I don't mm. need to do that. I'll go do food technology. I mean, as a 14, 15 year old lad, thinking do design technology with all my mates or do food technology with all the girls maybe there's an ulterior motive in <laughs> like my, my my direction of what I was wanted but I was like well I enjoy doing cooking I enjoy the food and I can do all the woodwork so I'll do something different so I started the food technology at GCSE I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed the whole kind of the process like my grandma was a huge baker she loved baking it was mm. a case of you go around there don't worry if you can't eat your lunch because there's loads of cakes to eat afterwards <laughs> you know it doesn't matter so just eat what you can get a cake down your face so i was baking you know baking with her baking at school doing these bits and i was like oh, do you know what and i was chefing part-time um i've got a job at the lord darcy in leeds just like all woodley way I was like pot washing and then ended up doing a little bit of chefing on a Sunday lunch and helping out a bit. And one of the guys there, he'd been a chef in the army. And I was like, oh, do you know what? Uh, yeah, I quite fancy that. Like real direction in the army, but not getting shot at, cooking food, like that kind of that mass mm. sort of production, churning it out, doing it. And, you know, it's a good career path. But I'm quite a home bird, you know, like being away from my parents not being in Yorkshire or you know even in the UK I was a bit like actually do you know what like I'd really miss my parents I'd miss mm. my family I'd miss that kind of network so that's kind of where my head was at then went to uh do my A-levels so I was at Warnswood went to Warnswood school out on the ring road and got my A-levels and by this point I was like well I want to do art couldn't do food technology as an A-level. Mm. So I was like, I'll do design because I'd been to like the open evening. It sounded quite cool. I was like, yeah, I'll do that and just kind of see how that goes. So I really enjoyed that course and excelled at it. Mm. And for somebody who's been average through school, you know, average at maths, average at English, mm. sciences, things like that, I was a bit like, oh, well, actually, you're all right, go on, you can come down, don't worry. <laughs> I am, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll do it on the phone because my laptop won't work. Yeah. yeah, so started the design course and, and really enjoyed it. And, and like I say, was so average at everything else that I had to kind of like hook onto something I was good at, but really enjoyed it. So it was easy because I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. It was easy. So then I but it's nice when you find a subject yeah. like that, isn't it? That suddenly you're like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm doing well at this. like, And I enjoy it. I wonder if those two things are linked. 
Yeah, there must be. Yeah, I was, I was watching a video today about this guy who is like, I mean, I could talk for days about schools and how I don't really agree with schools mm. and the school system. And this guy I was watching today, this video, he was saying, like, you know, they don't teach you about money in schools. If you want to be rich and you want to be somebody in that respect, you know, if, if money's your worth, mm. then you've got to study money. They'll never teach you money at school because they don't want you to learn money. They want you to learn how to work, to earn for other people. Mm. Um, and that's kind of what I did. I kind of found this design technology subject and was like, well, I really enjoy this. And can I turn this into a job mm. and, a, and a career? Because if I do this all day, then like, I'm just going to love life. Like, this is great. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, why didn't I do this at GCSE? Why did I do this technology? Like, what, what, you know, the, the arrogance then was, you know, kind of came to light. That, you know, the, then the confidence came back and I was like, oh, no, 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 it's because I could have done that, so it's all right. Yeah. Um, and it was worthwhile. I mean, you ended up with a job out of it, ultimately. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and I chefed throughout uni, you know, yeah. so I didn't ever have to be front of house. I could hide away. Yeah. So, yeah, so I really enjoyed that. And then... You know, my mum and dad were like, oh, are well, you going to go to uni? What do you fancy? And I was like, yeah, do you know what? Like, I didn't want to, but yeah, now, now I, do. I do. You know, that's what I want to do. And all your mates are going, aren't they? Or the majority of my mates were going to unis in different places. And it was quite nice. Like, I thought, oh, just a bit of a break. Like, just get away from, get away from Leeds a little bit and mm. just kind of meet a few new people and, and move, move away. So I went about a million miles to York because I couldn't be too <laughs> far away from home. <laughs> so finished A-levels and and then obviously went off to uni. And the course, it was York St. John Uni, which mm. I always have to state that my degree is a Leeds University degree, mm. not a York St. John University degree because I always people always like, oh, all right. And I'm like, well, it was Leeds Uni. It was part of Leeds. But, you know, you get older. It doesn't matter, does it? So, yeah, so at uni, got to uni, doing design, uh, product, products, 3D and furniture design, and was, was just in my element. You know, was that like, the first time sort of designing on computers then, was that? Yeah, so that was, yeah, so first time drawing on a computer with any, mm. with any difficulty where I was really, where I was challenged and was problem solving. Mm. And... And wasn't it was you know it was so nice not to be guided that the uni said this is what you got to achieve go achieve it mm. and I wasn't constrained by the educational kind of barriers and box ticking and you've got to display the and you still had to at uni you still had to give a good you know sketchbook and development and evaluations mm. and and all that kind of stuff but it was kind of like well you've paid to be here. We're telling you what you've got to do. Go do it. Mm. There's no exam at the end of it. There's no... So for me, that was, I hate exams. Mm. I'm crumbling an exam. Put me in that pressure of retaining some information and I'm just... I might know it, but it's gone. Whereas coursework, building something, like, I'm there. Mm. I'll do it. And my dad, you know, I was really fortunate. My dad, he works for himself and... You know the finances were there for them to pay for me to go to uni, mm -hmm. so I didn't have to pay my fees. Mm -hmm. He bought a house where I was, so my rent was cheaper. Really fortunate, really lucky. And with that, I was a bit like, Do you know what? 
that's a lot they've put in. I've got to give as much back and mm. can't really just be out drinking and doing nothing. I've got to put the time in and the effort in. Mm. So I just treat uni like a nine to five job. I mm. went in at nine. I finished at five. On an evening, I went and chefed in a few different restaurants and I always had money and I always got everything done and I was never last minute or overwhelmed with my work. Mm -hmm. So again, does that stem from the fact that I just enjoyed it? You know, I, I really thrived off that subject. And I think because I was, you know, I was getting first, you know, top marks constantly. Mm. And it was just the first time in my life, you know, from school at five years old through to now I'm 19, 20, mm. I'm actually getting a pat on the back and going, mm. you're really good at this. Yeah. Rather than, well, he needs to try harder. And if he, you know, maybe worth getting him a maths tutor or an English tutor and, mm. you know, maybe do this, maybe do that. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm not interested. You can yeah. do all these things, but I don't care. Yeah. And all of a sudden I did care and I was told I was good. Mm. Um, so my confidence from the tutors was like raised so much more of like, okay, I can achieve. Like mm. there is, there is something for me in life that I can really yeah. achieve at yeah. that I've not been told for the last 14 years or however long it is in standard education. You know, it's, yeah. this is my, my time, my choice, my subject and kind of my starting point of moving forwards mm. into what will be my career in some capacity mm. so yeah that's uh, that's kind of where where it all, was that your question where did it begin that's well we're we yeah we're going we're going into sort of how you got into it so i mean yeah. i take it you didn't go straight into starting up for yourself so did you no. do a few years working with your dad yeah. or was it working with different companies or no, no so yeah so my dad's interesting so he he fixes cars mm -hmm. and I've got no interest in cars whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I was at, while I was at uni, had a few good friends and finished uni. We're not really many job, you know, there's just not many jobs out there and you're like, Oh, mm -hmm. I'd, I'd really enjoyed like the furniture design side of it. So I was like, really enjoy the furniture and building furniture. And that but still to this day is my passion. Like I want to make furniture. Mm -hmm. Um, a whole a whole reason as to that which i can explain later there's a girl who i was with so creative such a personality such a lovely girl and she'd done her second year work experience at a company in york called event prop hire um at the time it was called scene craft and they built scenes and props for film and tv and parties and things like that and i'd i'd ended up working for an interior design company in Rippenden. So I was living in York, commuting every day to Rippenden, which is what, like an hour and 20 minutes door to door over the M62 from York all the way to like nearly Manchester every day. And I was just like in this like pit of despair over like, this isn't interior design. I'm fitting blinds, uh, mm. you know, I'm not respected, but ultimately I don't respect myself in this position and what, mm. like, what am I doing? Mm. So I kind of went to her and I was like, oh, what was that company? She told me. So I literally went, knocked on the door and was like, can I work here? And they were like, no, we've like no positions for like joinery, woodworking mm. kind of side of things. 
And I was like, okay, well, I don't work on Tuesdays. Can I just come and work here just to get a bit of enjoyment back? And they were like, well, yeah, if you want to, like, we can't pay you. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, cool. Like, I don't care. Like, I mean, that much of a hole of kind of, not a depression or feeling, you know, just a bit lost. No, you just need some joy. It's like, yeah, I, I, I need something to enjoy. I need something to get up for. You know, like. Yeah, I, was, I mean, I was still chefing on a weekend and enjoying that and the social social side of that and, and doing that. But I was like, I just found my niche and mm. it's gone already. You yeah, know? yeah. It's, not, it's like not being fulfilled straight away. So anyway, I kind of knocked, knocked on their door and went there and I did, did one Tuesday and then the boss rang me. And he was like, oh, you're coming next Tuesday. I was like, yeah, yeah, well, I loved it. He was like, okay, cool. So I went the following Tuesday. And at the end of the day, he was like, look, like, this is this is the arrogance coming out again. He was like, look, we didn't realize we needed you, but the speed you work at and your efficiency and what you know, like, is just perfect for what we're doing. Like, we can definitely find you a role. Mm. Can you leave your other job? And I was like, yeah, done. And he was like, well, how long, what, what's your notice? And I was like, no, done. I'm done. Yeah. I'll start tomorrow. Like, like I, I literally have got, they've got no respect for me. I've got no respect for it. It's not the right decision. You know, we never tell the yeah, kids yeah. to do that. But, but ultimately when you're that far gone into like this kind Absolutely. of lostness, then someone kind of goes, here you go. This is where to go. I was just like, oh, wow. Great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so started working there and you know, it was just like worlds apart. I'm working on like cool stuff. Like if you mm. know, if anyone gets a chance, like event prop hire, and uh, I think they might be called, they might just change the name. They're in Weatherby, uh got a massive place, owned by two guys, Rosie and Matt, two of the nicest people, and gave me an opportunity and was there at the start of their business building and it was just creativity after creativity mm. you know throw in a good pound of stress and a lot of late nights and working bank holidays and you know all the kind of stuff you do when you really love your job i suppose that you don't mind doing mm. money was all right but the fulfillment was just like perfection you know mm. that I'm, I'm just doing exactly what i want to do mm. Um, but always in the back of my mind, never left from being a young kid, is that I wanted my own business. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of like, well, this is good, but I'm still doing something for somebody else. I'm mm -hmm. still told when to come to work, I'm still told when to leave, I'm still told how much I'm getting paid. I've still got to do it by their rules. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, yeah, that's fine, but like, you know, I don't want to work all the bank holidays and weekends, and yeah. I want a bit of my own time, you know. And I'm still chefing at the weekend. I'm still Friday, Saturday, Sunday chefing at this point, you know. Yeah, I'm a year or two out of uni working there. I think I worked there for three years, and mm. first year and a half, I think, I'm probably still chef. So well, I'm burning the candle at every possible end, you know. I'm up early building stuff. In fact, I used to go to the gym back in the day. So I was up early, gym, up, cycle to work, build stuff, cycle back, do that all week, chef all weekend. You know, chefs have got a bit of a reputation for the drink. You know, so your weekends would end fairly heavy. Back out on Monday morning. But all the while, 
thinking, you know, want my own business, want my own business. So I, le- I left there in the end and ended up, um, where did I go in after there? I went and worked. So a lad came and worked for us for a bit, but he went off and worked for a joinery firm, mm. um, just fitting doors and windows. And he was like, oh, you want to come? Like, I'm earning good money. You know, like, what's this, like, 2006, 7, 8, 9? And it was, like, £20, £25 an hour fitting doors and windows. Mm. I was like, okay, yeah, good money, learning another skill. This can help the business in the future. I'm now, I've done prop building, I've done film building, I've done scenic stuff, I've done this kind of, you know, I've cut my teeth here. Mm -hmm. I've worked on my dad's houses in the past, so I can know how to work on houses. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so I'm starting to build this kind of like catalogue of experience that mm. whatever my business ends up being, I can kind of do something at least. I've got this, this uh, you know, like kind of jack of all trades um, mm. skill set. But it's also empirical experience as well, isn't it? It's not just the theoretical book learning. It's like, I've done that, so I know how it works. I know how long exactly. it takes. I know yeah. how how hard and how easy it is. So, yeah, so you can assess things and plan things, but you can also deal with people that are doing it and not get shortchanged. And, yeah, and knowing how much I'm getting charged out at and how much yeah. I'm getting paid, and, and that's such a... It's such a taboo subject owning a business that, you know, people kind of like, you know, I might, for example, pay somebody £15 an hour Mm. and I might charge them out at £65 an hour. Mm. And people are like, oh, well, look at you skimming off all that money making, you know, well, actually, no, like I've got to pay like rent, bills, electricity, you know, there's like, there's so And their tax and insurance as well. Tax, insurance, like yeah just you know so many variables and the where... pers- personnel hr costs of it and and that you know just yeah, the per hour business costs yeah exactly and you know it's that spirals literally spirals and next thing you know you kind of like actually i need to be charging them out there you know and, and people then forget in that you've got to make a profit you've got to be a profit you know got ultimately i can go and get a job earning what i'm earning with less stress running a business so why don't I just go do that? But I make a profit, and the profit mm. is there as a reward, you know. And that's it's reinvested or it's dividended up or whatever, mm. I don't know, however that is. But so yeah, so learning those skills, learning that pricing, learning the the time it takes, learning learning. Do you know what? I don't when I run my business, I don't want to be working on site because when I'm on site, I've got a van that I've got to lug all the tools out of into the building for a mm. 10 minute job to lug them all back again. So I don't want to do site work, you know, that mm. big tick, I'm not doing that. That's a, that's a pain. Like it's not happening. Let's, you know, let's, let's negate that. So then I, then I ended up getting a job for a exhibition company in York. So I'm mm. still, I still live in York at this point. So all this is like in York, York based. So I got working at an exhibition company in York, ended up working in London for a bit like six months on and off. Really good and learn high end quality skills there, finishing mm. re- really good quality finishing skills. Mm. And then I ended up earning a lot of money there. And I went to went to China for a bit. Mm. Uh, my ex girlfriend was Chinese and had been 
you get changed from education to working. You have to kind of self-deport to get a new visa to come yeah. back. So she'd done that. So she was on like a six-month waiting period for this visa. So I went over there for a little bit and came back and kind of really just hit this absolute like lull. It must have just been the holiday blues that just continued basically. Mm. But this lull of falling out of love with making anything. So I was like, right, I'm not doing building anything. And my dad rang me up and he was like, oh, do you want to come over to, you know, mine and your mum's and help build this fence and blah, blah, blah. And I was just mm. like, nah, I've got, well, I'll come over, but I'm not doing any woodwork. I'm just sick of it. I think because I was just never really earning much money and putting mm. in loads of time and effort. Yeah. And it was becoming like that passion and that love for the, the subject and the yeah. products and the building is kind of starting to I'd, resent it. Yeah. I think I'd monetized it. I think I'd gone like, do you know what? I'm doing all this. Where's the money? Yeah. You know? Um, and I was, a, a, so then I was kind of like, well, I can't just work for free and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. So I'd worked a few little odd jobs here and there doing a bit of driving work and soul searching, I suppose. And I ended up working for an events company in Leeds, a company called Well Pleased Events. So I've kind of like gone full circle, really. I've been building stuff for events. I was now kind of working in events. But I suppose my knowledge along that kind of, you know, road that I've been on put me in a position of, you know, being kind of quite desirable as a bit of a freelancer and, Mm. So yeah, so I'd, I'd worked worked a few few rubbish jobs. Ended up in events in Leeds. So I'm still living in New York. I'm now back commuting again, a bit of a distance. Mm. But I was I was head of production. I was the only one in production. So <laughs> so I was yeah, I was the all seeing uh, eye of my own self. But their offices were in Leeds City Centre, and the workshop slash stores were in Mabgate. Oh, sorry, Mr. Big key thing out actually. So just before then, I'd worked I'd worked for myself for a bit. I set up mm. a little workshop making furniture. And again, my passion for furniture I'll come to it later. And for want of a better word, like I, I was just I was shit at it. I was shit running a business. I was I didn't put any effort into it and I expected expected things to kind of land at my door. Mm-hmm. Um, and the complete wrong attitude to running a business. You know, you've got to be, you, you've got to go get it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not given to you. You've got to go get it. However, the best thing that ever happened to me in my life, because I now know exactly what failure is in a hard, fast, ended up with no money, mm-hmm. in debt, like struggling, but had found my passion and love for building things again. So that was fine. So I was good. I didn't care, didn't care about the money because the passion was back. And I did that for probably about a year. Just how I survived, just floating through paying the odd bill here and there and rent. And, you know, I didn't, like, I could have gone back to Sheffield. I didn't even do that because I was like, oh. in fact, no, to earn a bit of money to make sure I paid my rent, I ended up doing, I was a Domino's delivery driver which is the best and worst job going to get free pizza every night mm. to which I reckon I burnt myself every night because I got the pizza and got in the car and forgot 
that the drive home is where it cools down a bit. And <laughs> I couldn't could wait and was just shoveling it in and burning myself. Um, so that's kind of, I was just surviving. He was just pouring through and just like, I know who I am. I know what I want to be. I know where mm. I want to be. Why on earth can't I get there? Yeah. What, what is I can, it? I can so- see what it looks like. Yeah, I can yeah. see where I am. How does one get to the other? <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's like, it's not, like I didn't want to, be, I don't, now I don't want to be a millionaire. I just want to be happy. You know? Yeah. And it's not, it's never been about the money. It's never about that. But I was just like, Jesus, like, can I catch a break? Like, yeah. but ultimately it's now I know later on in life, the older I've got, do you know what? It's me. I'm the issue. Like, it's not anybody else's fault. It's not any other situational fault. It's me. Yeah. I'm the one who can make a difference. I'm the one who can make it not work. I'm the one who puts the effort in. And, you know, what you put in is what you get out of it, isn't it? You know, so that was kind of where I was at. And then while I was working for myself, the events company had come to me to build some stuff for them. So then I ended up working for them. I was kind of like, look, like, I'm not on my ass a bit here business is not good i've got all this equipment these tools and machines why don't i bring them there and set up a workshop there and then i'll kind of do my own bits and do bits for you and run that and i, I ended up basically just doing all the production for them hence being head of production mm. on my own and did that for a couple of years i think it was before before i left there but while i was there employed a guy called matt to be my assistant, who's now my business partner. So we were, so I should say, the, the office was, their office was in Leeds City Centre, but the workshop was in Mabgate, the, the beautiful Mabgate area of Leeds. <laughs> and so we were kind of a little bit, you, you feel a bit of a renegade, and you kind of like, we don't really know what we're doing down here. You know, we're kind of like, we can have any conversations we want. We can kind of criticise or take on board the successes or whatever. And, you know, so I was like, Matt, do you like, so we've got a CNC machine. So for those who don't know, it's a computer numerically controlled machine. You put a sheet of wood on it. You've drawn your program. It cuts it out for you. Um, a flat surface, you know, you're not doing shapes necessarily. but you, It's like a 3D printer, but just on a 2D plane, but you can have it 3D as well, can't you? Yeah, so you would cut out, imagine getting a piece of paper and drawing a load of shapes on it and cutting all those shapes out and then building something with it. But obviously, if your materials like can be up to 50 mil thick, you can mill into that and, you know, we, we, we can build some cool stuff with it. So we'd got one of these secondhand at this events company and we were like, I was like, Matt, like, where... You take away the event side of it. Take away, like, take away them finding the jobs. Take that element away, right? We're building everything. We're doing everything. So all we need to do is learn how to get the jobs. Mm. Because the jobs rely solely upon us building the stuff, creating the stuff, or getting stuff off the shelf and putting it there. It's like, mm. do you fancy just kind of like having an absolute gamble and just like doing it? Mm. And he was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So that's how the business started. Prior to that, my mental health had just deteriorated. Like I was, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a, 
it's a hard one to talk about. Not not because I don't like talking about it, because I'll talk about it till I'm like blue in the face because I'm so passionate about how important mental health is for everybody. And you know, I listen to some podcasts where they're like, "Oh, you, you know, you just got to man up and you got to move on. You got to do this." And I'm like, yeah, "Okay, yeah, you do. You, you know, to a degree, you do. To, don't don't wallow. Don't self pity." But when you don't know what's happening to you, I know. Yeah, you can't run. You can't outrun your emotions. They they they're with you. They'll catch you up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I was I was getting caught in a little bit. So I'm still living in New York. I'm still working in Leeds. But the business is kind of an idea. So I'm going back to a. I can tell you, started, my mental health went like a light switch on a November, November the 26th. I don't know now, 2014, 2013, mm. um, 2013. And it was like an overnight light switch. What had happened was I'd absolutely burnt myself out. Mm. Whilst burning myself out, I'd been absolutely caning the Red Bulls and the coffee, mm. you know, and, and that and cold in a workshop. So you like 20 cups of coffee just to keep warm. Mm. You know, it's not even, it's not coffee. I don't care about caffeine. It's the warmth I wanted. Mm. And I, ultimately I just broke myself literally broke my own it's mental. like running a machine basically in the red the whole time essentially is literally. what you've done which yeah, yeah you don't do <laughs> yeah exactly but i think what i now this is i'm going back there 10 years now what i realize is that issue is always there that's always been in me that's the, that's been the lack of confidence that comes through as arrogance that's been the nervousness as a kid to get involved. That's been the fact that you know, I, you know, I've got two or three mates. I'm not, I'm not social. You know, it's it's hyper focused on one subject. Mm. You know, all those things where I'm kind of like, I look back now and I'm like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't self diagnose myself with ADHD or autism or anything like that. Other than my brain works in a particular way. It was mm. being managed and maintained by, like you say, just topping up the oil every so often. And at that point, I forgot to do that. And I absolutely broke the machine. And, you know, I, uh, imposter syndrome comes in here where I'm kind of like, yeah, but I mean, some people have it so much worse. And, you know, I didn't do anything. Mm. But, you know, there's days where I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm not really giving anything back to my family now or my friends or my work. I'll just go might just go kill myself because maybe that's a better option mm. you know so i'm like these thought processes were like it's almost like a strobe light, like dunk, dunk, gone. and it was like is that is that a suicidal thought is that is that a, a consideration of a suicidal thought mm. and again the more i've you know listened and learned in the years i'm like yeah no that point was you know that wasn't a good place to be mm. but I think because I was that arrogant, confident, it didn't knock me down. It knocked my confidence and it knocked my arrogance, but it didn't knock me low. It's the only way I can describe it. It didn't let me knock me low enough because I was already kind of put myself on a bit of a pedestal mm. um, for being able to just get on and do things. But yeah, Jesus, that, that, that knocks me like you wouldn't believe. Like, you know, I'm... I'm a 30-year-old man sat crying in a traffic jam because I feel blocked in by the lorry in front of me. I'm having a, yeah. I'm having a panic attack because I can't see around the lorry. Then I'm thinking I'm having a panic attack while driving a car 
Then I'm thinking it's not a panic attack, it's a heart attack. Then I'm thinking I'm driving a car having a heart attack. Mm. Next thing you know, your head's blown off, mm. you know, literally, you know, and and it's just awful. And I was going days where it was panic attack after panic attack after panic attack in a day. And that's just exhausting, just absolutely exhausting. So I was like, again, this is it's a situation I'm in. It's the job. It's the commute. It's the long hours. It's this. It's the stressing about money. You know, I was in a bit of debt. I, you know, was kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do you know what? I've just got to set up my own business because ultimately, at least then, if I'm not making any money, it's my own bloody doing. It's my own choice. It's my own. I'm, I've learned that in the past. It failed because I didn't do enough. I need to do it now and do more, and I'll make money. So called Matt and was like, let's do it. And he said, he said yes. At the same time, I got a message off a friend's friend, this girl who was like, oh, do you want to go on a date? We kind of got a friend in common. Let's go on a blind date. And I was like, well, last week I was thinking about killing myself. This week I'm thinking about starting a business and going to go on a date. So I was like, yeah, do you know what? I've got nothing to lose. Because if the business doesn't work and the girl doesn't work, I'll just go back and think about killing myself again because I was at rock bottom. So it can't, it can't get any worse than this. So that's kind of where my mindset was at. It was like all or nothing. Still yeah. got the business, married to the, married with three kids to the girl. You know, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, that was that was that was my savior, you know. I needed, I needed Kate, my wife, as a kind of reality check. I'm not going to say she's uh, she's not going to start blowing smoke up my ass and telling me I'm amazing. And yeah, go on, look at you, you'll go get her. Mm. She's a, uh, we'll go get more or go do it better. So she's a reality check. And that's what I needed. That brought away the arrogance. Mm. The, business, the business and the success brought about the confidence and the mental health is managed. It's always there. It's always a problem. Mm. But I, it's a competition and I'm always winning, you know. But are you some... do you self-manage it all then have you yes. did you go see anyone no uh, well I went to the doctors um so yeah advice for anybody if you want to make a doctor's appointment and you want to go see a doctor my mum works in a doctor's surgery as a receptionist she's the best thing you can do you go to the doctors and when you ring up you book a double appointment don't book a single don't say i want an, an appointment i'd like a double appointment mm. the double appointment gives you time in the doctor's surgery to get rid of all the bullshit before you actually tell them that there's something not right. Because if you went to a normal doctor's appointment, you'll go, oh, well, I'm like, you know, I'm feeling a bit like this. My heart rate's a bit high. This, you know, stick a blood pressure monitor on you. I'm a bit stressed at work. They tell you to have a week off. They do this, they do that. You have a double appointment. They kind of, and they should, ultimately know there's something a little bit deeper rooted. So I was medicated with propanol, which is a beta blocker, which my issue was my heart rate was racing. Mm. Then I was kind of catastrophizing that in my head that I was having a heart attack mm. or there was something worse that would then create a panic attack. It was just perpetual, constant, yeah, constant, yeah, yeah. constant. The beta blockers knocked that down. I then was like, I don't want to be on tablets for the rest of my life. I need to get out of this mindset myself and understand it. So I just researched the shit out of it. I was Mm. just like, what is anxiety? What is a panic attack? 
did everything I could to learn. And that's kind of what I do. If something needs building, something's broken, or it need, there needs to be a solution to a problem, mm-hmm. I work it out and I'll just research it and work it out. And that's kind of what I did with my own brain. So yeah, so now I know my own triggers and I know kind of how to get through it. You know, 10 years on, I've still had panic attacks. I've still felt anxious. I've still, depression is such a heavy word to use and I don't use it lightly because I think there's, you know, you can say, I'm really depressed. You're just a bit low, not depressed. So I don't know if I was ever depressed officially, but I have moments of, self-pity and wallowing and in the loosest sense of term if you want to call it depression as a word to make it easier to understand then i feel sometimes still a bit depressed Mm. but i i know people who have depression and it's you know i can still get out of bed and i can still function you know it's it's i just feel shit some days you know and that's again you know i put that down to sometimes just being my own misery of like just get up and losing that get up and go a little bit being a bit bone idle you know a bit knackered stayed up too late you know that that kind of stuff got up mm. too early stayed, stayed up too late for too many days it's a really yeah. weird area though like you know to, to speak in the abstract rather than in kind of mental health kind of verbiage like it is a matter because you know you're talking a lot about motivation there and, and motivating yourself and being you know go go get them and, and do it but then there's also you need to know when to stop and you need to know when to rest and to make sure that you've got enough kind of like then the machine's being looked after everything's been tightened oh. it's been oiled it's been filled up and it's not being run you know too excessively but it's hard to find that line and and keep that line like i i mean i think for anybody but yeah it sounds like because obviously you're doing a lot of going and getting them but then there's a lot of like oh i haven't got the energy and then you start beating yourself up because you're not because you're trying to motivate yourself essentially i suppose yeah that's it and you know there's there's a there's always a fear of failure isn't there you know i mean i always say to people that you know, say you're going for a job interview or say, say you're wanting to apply for a job and people procrastinate over it. And for me, what I do is I might procrastinate over going for, for applying for a job or, you know, like even messaging you saying, you know, look, I'd love to be on the podcast. You know, you might say no. Okay. Or the job might say no. If I don't ask you, there's still a potential of it being a yes. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, apply for the job there's still a potential of it being a yes mm. and it's that i have that battle quite a lot where i'm like well i just won't bother because if i don't bother it's still a potential of being a yes mm-hmm. it's not a hard fast no mm. um but i but i frustrate myself because i'm really good with a no because i can work my way around with a no that's not yeah. happening but yeah i still protect myself from that no by kind of going oh well, i won't just do it yet or i won't try yet or i won't you know i won't give that a go because i don't want it to fail and blah 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 mm. and it's that that kind of pressure you everybody puts on themselves you know and mm. it's it is a, a constant internal battle of the fear of fear of failure you know and I, I tell my my eldest all the time i'm like look just fail like fail to your heart's content you're mm. 
especially now, like you're at home, your bills are paid, your your food's on the table. Like kids these days, like just fail, go and fail at everything because you'll learn so much. Yeah, learn so much about yourself and so much about the world. But you know that's you know they got to go to school and they got to do the homework and they got to talk to the friends so they haven't got time to fail. You know, but. But yeah, yeah, that that kind of that constant self motivation is sometimes really difficult. You know, I've got three kids and running a business and mm. you know doing all that, and you know you might have people pestering you to, you know, you got a kid ill at home, it's diarrhea and vomiting, and you got a customer ringing you up because they're. CNC rainbow isn't ready, and you're like, God, oh, get a grip. <laughs> like you know what's your deadline well i need it desperately well what's going to happen if you don't get it because right now i'm like eyeballs deep in vomit and poo you know like just <laughs> uh, like, i th- I annoy my business partner because my reality on life you know i'm just kind of like yeah whenever like what does it matter mm. like we're all on this spinning earth and everyone stresses about deadline this and gotta be now and do 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 and i'm like geez just take a rain check like <laughs> just slow down we can still earn money and not be pulling our hair out but maybe you can't maybe you can't earn money and not be pulling your hair out i don't know <laughs> well i, w- I want to go into covid now i'm gonna bring us more into questions uh, yeah sure so but i think we've touched on some of this anyway but uh, obviously so the question around COVID is sort of going into lockdown, I guess, you know, with the business there, uh, a lot of, at the beginning would be kind of cancelling jobs and then managing jobs and expectations of customers. But the question is also about kind of changes coming out of COVID. Obviously, for some people, yeah. those changes are just like, you know, meeting online or whatever. Uh, but obviously, mental health was a huge part and social isolation and and so on and you've mentioned a couple of changes yeah, that it's had yeah. on on you guys so yeah how is covid how did covid and the lockdown affect your work yeah so um massively mm. but as i mentioned at the beginning we work in quite a few different sectors so on any of the events work we did that just went gone mm. you know it's not happening mm for the foreseeable any of the office fit outs we were maybe working on gone mm. you know we're not spending money on there money we were owed not getting paid because and understandably you know none, none of it none of anything i say is, is bitter because it it's survival people people were you know ultimately look look at it from a look at it from a civilian point of view people were desperate for toilet paper so when it comes to people paying invoices that were overdue, they're not going to pay because they're also scared. People mm. were buying toilet roll because they were they were scared of the unknown, mm. and people weren't paying invoices because they were scared of the unknown. So I, I have no bitterness to that, and I understand why people did that. That screwed us over, you know. Mm. That was that was difficult to swallow, knowing no matter what you did, there's not much you can really do. No, because you're nursing a relationship as well. So when this all finishes, if I start chasing this person and start get threatening 
court letters mm. and COVID ends, which we didn't know at the time, in a week, a month, a year, whatever. Mm. And then they're going to go, well, you know, when, when the shit at the fan and we couldn't pay you because of this COVID and you were really aggressive and was trying to get your money. When I say aggressive, I mean, Legally yeah, yeah. Aggressive. I know what you mean. Yeah, you're aggressive with us trying to get this money. We don't want to work with you anymore. Mm. So you kind of like you. It's that fear, isn't it? Well, I don't want to annoy them because, but they owe me money, and they owe me money, and that's my money, and I've done yeah. the work, and now they're not paying me. But I want to work with them again because I want them to pay me again. Mm. And you're like, oh, hang about, who's owning it here? Like, what's like, what's this mentality? And I kind of just went, great, like. I'm at home with the kids. Mm. The sun's shining. Like, what will be is what will be. I, I can't control this. I'm being yeah. told not to work. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to work. Like, fine. So, like, first couple of days, I built the kids a treehouse in the garden because <laughs> I, need, I needed to build something. Yeah. All the while, you know, back of my mind, I'm like, Shit, like, what am I going back to? Is it nothing? Yeah. Am I going to have to sell the machines? I've got yeah. rent to pay. I'm tied into a lease. Mm. Like, the next thing you know, you're hearing of a company that's like a company you kind of idolize a bit. You know, while they're doing really well, look at the jobs they're doing. We're doing work for them. Mm. Gone. You know, and you're like, geez, they've gone. But they're events. You know, we're not events. So then we were kind of like a little bit not doing much. I brought my old computer home and I started just kind of fiddling around with a few bits here and there. And yeah, you know, shuffling papers and trying to look busy. Just like my missus was a teacher and she was upstairs teaching all day and I had the kids. And then when they went back to doing like the homeschool, like the teaching for remote learning, and I'm like, yeah, I need to do some work. Yeah, I need to just get away from <laughs> just sort of like just yeah maybe delete this email like yeah that was nothing you know flogging a dead horse um and you know what i was saying before about stuff coming to you and you getting stuff Mm. you know and and when you're running a business you've got to go get it but stuff does come to you Uh, for stuff to come to you you've got to see that it's coming and you've then Mm. got to go get it Mm. so a guy emails me and he's like oh can you make my can you see and see my dad out this like i think maybe at this point we may be allowed back in a little bit yeah. we're furloughed so we're getting paid on a furlough you know the staff were getting paid so we were kind of like you know me and matt were just taking minimum nothing we were taking nothing we were making sure our rent and our bills were paid because yeah. what we said was i'd rather go back with no money in my bank but have a business then have money in my bank and have loads of debt in the business. Yeah. You know, ultimately. And financially, you know, I was all right, wife's teacher. So we were, we were all right. You know, we weren't, we weren't going out spending money on anything social. So yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah. Were, we were looking. We you were had looking. enough to cover everything that you needed off that because you weren't yeah. needing a lot because you couldn't do we very much. No, no, fuel. I mean, my wife was living in, we live in Leeds now and she was working in New York. So her fuel bill was gone. So straight yeah. away we were like 230 quid better off a month for her yeah. fuel bill, you know. So we were like, okay, well we're we're all right. So yes, yeah, so this guy emails me. He's like, oh, can you make a, a beehive for my my dad? You know, he's got bees and machine it out and blah blah blah. So I like, 
having this email conversation, this is how much it'll be, okay, it's too expensive, blah, 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 blah. But the way this kind of narrative was going, this guy was like, really, like he seemed really nice, uh, local to where I live, community-based, just a real nice guy. And then people started going back in a little bit when the plastic screen started. Mm. And my business partner's girlfriend is a hairdresser. So he built a plastic screen. He nipped into the workshop, made this plastic screen, shoved it on their reception desk, took a picture of it. Um, and when he took a picture of it, we put it on our Instagram. And then a buyer for the NHS saw this image and we ended up making majority of the plastic screens for the West Yorkshire doctor surgeries. Mm. So we were like, we were back to kind of making money. Mm. We weren't, we didn't want to capitalize on it because we didn't want to make money. We didn't mm. want to be like, you didn't want to be profiteering. You didn't want to profiteer. No, no, we didn't. So I said to this guy, look, this is how much the material is. This is how much I charged for CNC work before COVID. This is how much I'll charge you now. It's the same amount. Mm. I'll show you an invoice. It's the same amount. I'm not <laughs> profiting. And that was kind of tying us over and was really good mm. to just skim off the bills and also kind of just like get out of the house a little bit, go to the workshop. You know, this is, you know, it was just a little bit of freedom. So we then, we were then doing the, doing the uh, plastic screens and, and turning through those. And you know, monetary wise, we did in that period of time, I think we did about 60, 70 grams worth. Which seems a lot, but that was like the only money we made. Really. Yeah, it's, it's going like, to pay for machines. Everything yeah. it's going to pay for a business, a company. It's kept the bottom line fine. Yeah. yeah, and then this guy who'd emailed me about the beehive, he'd come back to me, and he was starting a project which was building prefab homes, mm-hmm. like CNC cut out sort of thing you see on grand designs, prefab homes. And ultimately, like I was saying, stuff comes to you, but you've got to kind of keep hold of it. You know, it's that nurturing, that relationship. And this guy was nice, and I was like, yeah, cool. And, you know, I had a lot of time to email. Mm. I wasn't doing anything else. Yeah. So you could nurture that relationship. And we ended up winning a government-funded project with a company called Open Systems Lab, WikiHouse. Um and that was, you know, government funded, it's like another 50K, mm. of which you're, you're pricing in your labor and the machine time in there. You can't make a profit on that because it's government funded, but you, your machining's priced in and your labor's priced in. Yeah, your staff getting paid, you, 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 your machines are running. And your psychology is your mental health has gone from, you know, sitting around doing nothing to back in. And it's that glimmer of hope of kind of like, oh, yeah, so like mm. we're back. The business hasn't gone. Yeah, We've yeah. not lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still there and it's still going. So, yeah, we kind of really luckily rode the wave. And the reason is, is because as a business, we don't put all our eggs in one basket. Mm. We're not one particular sector and we're open to working and doing anything if it's a viable option 
for enjoyment and financially. Yeah. So we were we were lucky. We just got lucky. We uh, lucky. You know, we don't even have massive Instagram following. It was at the time it was like one thousand two hundred people. Just so happened that one image of one plastic screen mm. got to one guy yeah. who was the guy who was buying plastic screens, and we could get plastic at a price that nobody else could get it at. Yeah. So we weren't overcharged. You know, people were charging like we were doing these screens at like seventy-five pound a screen, mm. and they were getting quoted like twelve hundred, eighteen hundred. And I was like, no, it's 75 quid because I can get mm. this many on a shoot. This is how much the shoot is. I mean, I, you know, we could have, could have got a lot of holidays out of it, but it's just not, that's not me. You know, it's not me and it's not Matt. You know, it's not, it's not the way we work. We're about the relationship and enjoying it and mm. customer, customer service, which, you know, was dwindle at times. But yeah, so we, the COVID, from a work point of view, we were lucky. Really lucky. Mm. So yeah, we managed to get through it. How did how did you feel sort of coming through? Were you like, did it did it kind of ease out? Like you say, and I mean the way that you tell it is kind of like it it it's like you dodged a bullet of like not having to get too worried, but then also at the same time you didn't get overwhelmed with too much work. You know, so. So, for example, a lot of the people that I speak to, they'll be office workers, they're working at home, they don't always have that division of space sort of thing, and it's that weird experience of life and work being kind of jammed together. I yeah. Did you have any of that, or were you, like, was COVID kind of not too bad on the work-life balance kind of mental health perspective? Yeah, so I think it was probably the best balance I've ever had when I was at home, I was at home mm. and there was nothing to really do. And it was almost like kind of starting a business again because you're like, oh, a lead. Oh, there's there's a potential here of a job. And, and then you're like, oh, actually, I've got the workshop and I've got the machinery. So when I was at home, I was very much at home. Mm-hmm. And I was ingrained in that. I'm with my kids and I'm at home. And, you know, I was making pizzas and bread and sourdough like everybody else, mm-hmm. you know, and and just enjoying that kind of, like, I never get the brain space to do this or the time to do this. So, yeah, I was, re- I was, you know, whereas Kate was like, you know, doing lessons and doing this yeah. and on the computer and off the computer and, you know, you can hear kids screaming in the background and you try to do some work and, you know, it's all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I didn't have any of that because I can't work from home because I can't bring a three-ton CNC machine <laughs> back. You know, I can only bring my computer back at the time, and that was yeah. it. So yeah, it was. You know, for me, it was a it was a great time. Mm. Mental health wise, I ended up doing an online cognitive behavioral therapy course. So when you said, have I ever had anything for it? Yeah, I have, but it didn't come until COVID. Yeah. Um, and I think ultimately it was just because I was really lost. You know, just hadn't, I wasn't burning any energy in the workshop. Mm. Staying up late, you probably not eating and drinking great. Mm. And just like kind of got myself a bit lost. And if I, if I, to be honest with you, if I'm not just a little bit stressed, I'd have that kind of 
panicked focus. Mm. I really struggle. If I'm kind of floating about, I'm Mr. Middle Ground, you know, if I'm floating about, kind of doing nothing, I'm stressed. If I'm doing way too much, I'm stressed. But if I'm kind of stressed in the middle, I'm good. It's that Goldilocks and, zone. It's all about the Goldilocks yeah, zone, isn't it? It's like, yeah, yeah. You need a bit of something, but not too much of it. You know, not too little of it either. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's that kind of like mid midline adrenaline. You know, <laughs> the adrenaline you have before you get on the roller coaster. That's the yeah. one I like. You yeah. know, just like that that bit. I'm all right for going on it. Someone else can go on it. But yeah, yeah. That that kind of oh panic. Get it done. You know, achieve <laughs> deadline. Panic, stress. Yeah, I, I like that. I thrive off that. So yeah, COVID kind of took that away a little bit. There wasn't much panic as such mm. in your work do you have to do quite a lot of social media kind of work and if you do has that do you do you see the point in doing work on social media like do you get a good return investment from it is it something that you just do for fun occasionally or is it like from your perspective is it kind of like vital for for you and for business and your business yeah so i would i would say for, i mean for us well like, we do it ourselves. It's totally a full-time job and never have the time to do it. I kind of go back to that comment of, if I don't do it, it could be a yes. If I do do it, it could be a no. And putting mm. a post up and it's that seeing the comments, seeing the like, seeing this, seeing that. And you just, you put so much onto it and you kind of like, oh, you know, I think for me, I've just been speaking to uh, Leanne from uh, Butterflump to do our marketing for us she's done a bit for a guy who i know done a great job so i'm kind of like at a point where me and my like let, let somebody else kind of take those reins so yes yes we see a value in it because otherwise we wouldn't have somebody do it mm. do i understand it technically absolutely not will i ever get it right if i do it myself absolutely not do we get work from it absolutely yes but it's not the crux of all our business. You know, we're a lot, a lot of word of mouth and Instagram is a great way, for example, for people to have a quick look like a portfolio mm. to kind of go, I've been on your website, I've been on your Instagram, your world looks great. Can you quote me this? So yeah, it's, um, you know, me and Matt are really bad at talking on video. <laughs> like, uh, mm. Look at what we do. Look at this, look at it, you know, and that kind of style of it. So we're a little bit kind of is a video of a machine is a mm. photo of a product. Mm. It's a bit vanilla, a bit vanilla. Um, here's, here's the thing I can build you. I can build that. Can you build this? Yes, I can do that. It's, it's not, uh, it's not, this is amazing and it's flashy and look at the lights and the dancers. Exactly. And... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't sort of yeah. thing. Tough. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we'll do social media, we'll do Brexit. So obviously, it was kind of tied up at the end of, of COVID. I'm expecting that the only kind of impact that you might have had could be in terms of supplies. But yeah, since we have Brexited, has there been any change in your work? Has it been better, worse, the same? Have you noticed? Yes. As you stated, it's raw materials. You know, that's our main issue. We buy in, you know, quite a lot. Well, we, we buy from our suppliers in Leeds 
a lot of raw material, wood sheet, you know, sheet wood material, and and it's the price was. So when we were building the houses, we the testing for those houses that we were doing um, with the guy who I met through lockdown, uh, the sheet price was twenty two pounds per sheet. Then we the Brexit deal occurred and we came out coming out of it. You know wherever wherever we are in that position at the minute, the sheet price went from twenty two pound a sheet to forty nine pound a sheet. Mm. So all of a sudden, this project kind of starts to become less viable when you're looking at buying 750 sheets, you know, yeah. or where it starts to, okay, this product that was this much is now just, it's just over doubled in price for mm-hmm. the raw materials to mm-hmm. make this project. You know, so that, that makes a big difference. That's That's really so far the only thing, you know, that, has really stood out. I'm sure there's little things that have kind of happened without us even knowing. But that raw material, the raw material situation went from bad to worse mm. with Russia invading the Ukraine. Mm. So we had Brexit, increased it, fluctuated high, dropped back down a bit, mm. Russia invaded the Ukraine, and it went through the roof and not available. Mm. It seemed like last year was worse than 21, I suppose, because there were still kind of lockdowns ongoing. But it, it it's weird because all those three years kind of, they blend together, don't they? Yeah, literally, yeah, like, yeah. Well, the last yeah. two years. But yeah, it was, it was, a, it, it, I'm loath to say things feel more normal now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They kind of feel a little bit more normal, but they're not, like, it's still not, normal is it no it's not it's not pre-covid normal (laughs) and that wasn't that normal no no so uh the last one of the four kind of impact questions so climate change so is this something that affects your work is it something that you kind of consider in your work and yeah if if it's something that you're thinking about is it is there anything that you can do in your work to either promote adaptation or mitigation or just awareness? So, yeah, it's, you, it comes down to your morals. It's how you feel at the end of the day, having loaded a skip up of waste. Or, you know, we, we don't use much plastic anymore. So that's kind of good. There's not, there's not much call for it in the industry as much. You know, there's not many people kind of make this note. It's kind of been alternate ways, like the hazard of plywood, because you can't get that. Um, as I said a couple of times, I'll come to the furniture at some point. With what we with what we do, when you look at the event side of things, and when you look at an office fit out, or me making you a piece of furniture, mm. there's a longevity to the product. The waste is easier to swallow when I know that I've made you a dining table that you might pass on to your grandkids mm. as a heirloom it's not going to be because that's not the kind of furniture we make mm. but the moral behind a piece of furniture and even an ikea piece of furniture because i've got ikea furniture in my house that i've had for years mm. it lasts it does last and it, it's there for a length of time in your house mm. even if that length of time is a week 
that week can be considerably longer than some of the event work that he's worked on, mm. where it's for an hour, for two yeah. hours, for a night, for a yeah. weekend, whatever. And it's more often than not skipped at the end of it. Mm. Um, so I'd quite like to diversify our business slightly and to be more in the permanent side of the build products. Mm where the waste that you have is waste from a product that is going to be there for a longer period of time rather than coming back and then itself being waste. Mm. So, but ultimately there's more money in events, you know, (laughs) so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't think about those costs and you push, you can push those costs off. Yeah, yeah, like not necessarily to the buyer, but I mean to the larger society of like, well, if I take this cheaper product, I make more money. But I, yeah. you know, the carbon cost of it and then disposal of it is terrible. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and people valuing like you know pieces of handmade furniture in your local area is quite high. You can go to IKEA, you can go to Habitat through Argos, you can go. Well, you can't go to Made.com anymore, but you can go to these places where you can get something that's churned out where you don't know the credibility really. You do, IKEA are probably pretty good, but you know, made.com is ultimately made where you don't know what's happening to the waste. You don't know what's happening to the workers. You don't know what's happening and the shipping. You know, you're paying for something and it's got the carbon footprint of it coming on a, you know, container from wherever over the world. It's, mm just ridiculous for this one piece of furniture whereas i'm kind of like well i want to make furniture in leeds and sell it to people in leeds and you know I'll buy an electric van and deliver it or mm. i'll get you know cool delivery service or people can come and collect it or we will ship it out but mm. keep it as reduced as possible and use materials that are you know so much more sustainable and ecological and mm. ethical and you know and all that but ultimately, the bottom line is that, you know, that's not every job we do. So we have waste. So at the minute, for us, where we've just got price for a, a clean air furnace, so we will burn our waste that will burn in a furnace, which burns clean and is filtered, and it, the heat generated heats up the workshop. In the summertime, it has a dump, so the heat goes out of the workshop. But we will then not have to be putting on electric heaters or mm-hmm. diesel heaters or what freezing will be burning clean. Mm. Um, we'll, we'll reduce our waste. When we reduce our waste, we're not just reducing landfill. We're reducing the skip wagon driving to us and yeah. back from us. Yeah. You know, we're reducing that, the traffic that causes we're, you know, so there's all, all those kind of more positives that we can do and try and do. And that's our aim will never be perfect. And you're getting full use out of the materials as well then, aren't you? You It's like there is no waste. Yeah. Well, essentially, ideally, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so the furnace we want to get can burn, burns at a higher temperature, so we can burn things that ordinarily aren't clean to burn, Mm -hmm. but it'll burn them and burn them clean. Like biomass burning, like the big furnace in Leeds, Mm -hmm. basically. It's, It's similar to that. Not not as big or small. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's kind of that's that's the, the the minute the best we can do in the industry we're in. 
is to clean up the amount of waste going to landfill and how that's transported to and from and trying to you know make sure the jobs we pick you know i'm quoting a job at the minute and they've asked me to quote it and i've said look kind of kind of push you in more of an in a sustainable material direction than just a generic mdf and they're like yeah fine it comes with more of a cost but you can turn around to anybody who questions you and say here's the credentials it's a lot more sustainable than if we'd have done it this way albeit it's a bit more expensive um but again they're museum pieces display pieces so they'll be there for the long haul they're not a one week install and gone they're yeah. there for hopefully years yeah i mean on those kind of disposable installs i'm thinking like that the only thing there is you know it's it's more modular design use isn't it it's just more use of the flats kind of coming apart and being able to be kind of recolored and shifted about uh, yeah that's it yeah i mean it's there's always going to have to be waste for something like that where it's just going to be a a one-off show it's like yeah i mean you go to some of like the you know we've done some big exhibition stands you know over the years and people are just tearing stuff down and throwing it in a skip you know all sorts of materials because it it's it's done a it's done a you know a season's tour around the uk five events and it's tired and it's not what they want next season so it's going in the skip and mm. you know that's it job done and i i don't get it and and ultimately you know who's a who's at fault really it's, it's is it the is it the consumer for needing to be wowed by something but they have to be wowed by this cool build with structures and look at this and look at us as a company and then is it the fault of the amount of competition there is where people have to be better than the next person and mm. you know it's so self-perpetuating that people want to see better people want to be better mm. that all costs money and time and it creates a lot of waste but also disposing of it properly would create, I mean, it would create a lot of jobs, but it'd create a lot of costs as well. And like, yeah, even yeah. if they were going to sell on all those raw materials, you know, they could break them apart, say, and recover some of the costs and they got reused, recycled, upcycled, whatever. That's still yeah. time that you've got to get someone re-preparing the materials, then selling them then finding yeah. buyers. And like, so, it, you know, in the skip, but, yeah, you get well, you get a skip for three hundred quid, and it's gone, and you don't have yeah. to worry about it anymore. Mm. You know that's that's your whole problem gone. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Except yeah. it isn't gone; it's still there, but mentally it's it's gone. So what have we got next? We've we've have we done all the big changes? We've done Brexit. We've done climate change. I mean, is there, is there anything else that you want to add on that? Feel free before we move on. Yeah, no, I mean, from COVID through to to Brexit and. And the climate change stuff, you know, it's kind of, you know, sometimes you feel it's sort of above your pay grade. You know, you kind of like, I know I need to understand it more, but I've got to get this job finished. I've, you know, I've got to pay this bill. I've you know, got yeah. to get home and I've got to spend time at the weekend. And, you know, I don't want to work on an evening. And, you know, you kind of, then you think, oh, I'll employ somebody to worry about that stuff. And then that's, another wage and where's that money coming from and mm. well, as, a, as a small business those things are really hard you know those steps those progression those understanding and having time and you know it, it, 
when you're busy and you're turning stuff out to pay the bills, you do lose sight of a lot of these things where you kind of like, you know, the minute I've been talking to my wife where I'm like, you know, I need to take a step back. And at the minute I feel really the need to take a step back from the business in a overseeing kind of like, we're doing this wrong, we're doing that wrong, change this, we need to change that. I don't like how this works. And I think a lot of that has come from the, the COVID time off Mm. I'm thinking actually when I had that time off, I, I could step back and look at it as an outsider a little mm. bit and make different decisions. I need to do that again. Mm. So yeah, I feel like, you know, between me and my business partner, Matt, we kind of, you know, the minute we're both on very different paths for the same aim, you know, he really graphs and I don't, and I'm aware of that, but I kind of have my kids on a Monday and a Wednesday, so my week's a bit split up. He's just had a kid, but he's still just kind of like going, going, going. And I'm like, well, you need to stop because mm. yeah, you're, you're almost panicking. The the, the COVID panic that, you yeah. know, what, what if it all stops next week, you know? And it, yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah. Yeah. I think COVID, COVID Brexit climate stuff is, is kind of a little, it's been the draw. You know, I need to open up the drawer and clean it out. Mm. I, I mean, it's it's heavy stuff, but they're all kind of relevant to the decade is the thing. And I, I wanted yeah, to yeah. look at them through kind of a work lens, because if you look at them on a kind of personal politics lens, it just, just gets messy too quickly. Whereas if yeah. it applies to like your work, if I think, I think it's like you say, if you keep it something material, real, applicable, rather than ideas about ourselves and how how we appear and so on i think when you yeah. talk about work you talk more about reality but that's my opinion <laughs> yeah no yeah yeah it's yeah it's so true you know and ultimately you know like you can worry you you know i suppose the question is you know, do my do my staff worry about the waste you know do my staff look at the waste we have in a skip and do they you know are they going on to talk to people and say, oh, we've always got, you know, crap in the yard and going in a skip and, you know, they're doing something about it, but is it good enough? And, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and and ultimately, you know, that's that, you know, as a, as a business owner, that's another worry you take home is the mm-hmm. perception, you know, of your own staff, your perception of your customers, your perception of your friends and family around you, of what you, how you're working and what you're doing, you know, and, yeah, I think it's from a business point of view rather than you know personal point of view. I do, I do what I can. You know, I put stuff in the recycling, and you know, do we do our bit? But from a business point of view, you've got a a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The the final thing I'll say on that before I move on to the next one, like you, you know, just talking about the waste. Like I'm always banging on about climate change i worked at an airline where i was throwing away computers <laughs> like we just put these big racks of computers to or i mean they were being sort of recycled and stuff but you know a lot of that is just waste and just churn and you just like yeah you hope it's been recycled don't you that's the thing yeah. you hope you hope it's been recycled mm. so yeah yeah it's you know i mean i know people who've worked throwing away like pallets of taps you know sink taps mm. just for it because they were the they got them on like the deal and it was a, a tax you know like kind of offload and we do this and do that and then they're just skipping them and you're like jeez okay so we'll do the more happier questions now a bit more idealistic so firstly 
the change question. So if you could change any three things about your work, and you kind of can because it's your own business, but this is an ideal world scenario, so you can go yeah, make yeah. it if you want. What three things would you change? I would change the size of the workshop so it was bigger. I'd love a bit more space to move around in. I don't even, I don't even want more stuff in there. I just want more, stuff, more space to move around. That's <laughs> it's so, it's so on my mind at the minute on how messy and busy and like carnage it is. Um, I think I think I'd like to be able to, if I could just kind of click my fingers and just be able to kind of go, you know, just so honest to customers and people, like I said to before, you know, people stressing over a deadline or mm. kind of you know, squirming over sending an invoice because you don't know if it's too much and you're, you know, we, you know, we don't overcharge people. It just doesn't happen. We never do it. You know, much to my wife's dismay, we just don't do it. Mm. Um, but just to kind of go, do you know what? That just took me 15 hours to do that and I've charged you 40 quid. Mm. It can just be realistic. So the realism, the realism, and I think this must go for so many people who work for themselves, especially like artists and illustrators mm. and, you know, that, that industry where it's like people just expect stuff tomorrow and for nothing like i I think that's been made worse by the internet like i really do think that everyone thinks now that like you press a button or click a button a wizard does it and then you get the thing and then someone comes along and gives you a bill as if like a you know human beings actually worked on this (laughs) how much all i did was click a thing and it appeared yeah, literally, I ordered something on Amazon a couple of nights ago and then realized that it was a silly purchase. And we were like, we were, me and my wife were like impulse buying this, like, here we got, we got the kids like a paddling pool and it was just like heat or something. Sounds really flash, but we were like, that's just too much money and it's pointless. So I cancelled it like two hours later. And it was like, your order is already prepared. I was like, it's already been, I was, no, it hasn't. It has not been done. <laughs> You just don't want to cancel this order. Like, that, that is not being prepared. Because if someone ordered that off me, I'd have ignored the email first before I'd have been preparing it. You know, it's like, no way. So, yeah, I think space to do stuff, realism of what is and how stuff is done. You know, yeah. just come, come and sit in the workshop for a day and watch us all work and then mm. tell me, that the value is too high for the product mm. when you've seen us physically doing what we do. Mm. Um, and time, I think time for me, you know, the, the older I get, I'm the same older, I'm 39, 40, 40 in a few months, just time, you know, for it not to matter if I just want to kind of go, you know what, I'm off to go pick my kids up. I'm not coming in next week. Mm. And, and I do have that luxury because I work for myself and I'm really lucky. And there's so many people who are having to spend money on childminders and I know how much that costs because we've been there and done that mm. and not having that time. And I suppose because I've had a sniff of that time mm. that I'm kind of like, oh, do you know what? I'd like more of it. And I'd like more of it for everybody involved. I'd like, staff to have more time i'd like my business partner to have more time mm. you know i'd like the jobs to have more time on them for mm. us to enjoy doing them mm. but to have more time on it i can't afford for the job to run on that long so i'd like people to be realistic over the time and the price and mm. you know all those things 
that would be, you know, so nice. The space, the time, and, you know, the reality of it all. Not having the argument over money, essentially, isn't it? It's kind of like, this is the price. I'm not screwing. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to do you over. I'm just trying yeah. to get paid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I see loads of things like on Instagram or TikTok, you know, and they always made me laugh, you know, where it's like, I'm... I'm not too expensive. You just can't afford me. Mm. You know, I'd, I'd love to be able to say that to somebody. Oh, sorry, I'm not too expensive. You just can't afford me. But ultimately, all they're going to do is go, yeah, I'm not going to make any money. So I've got to go rework my quote, haven't I, so I can get a bit of money out of this job and actually make some money and, and pay some bills. <laughs> so ultimately, you know, for me to turn around and go, I'm not too expensive. You just can't afford it. It's just like, <laughs> you know, great. Say that to all you because you're going to have none. You know, mm. you've got to, it's got to, it's got to be a relationship and it's got to work. But I think sometimes I just like people to kind of go, oh shit, yeah, that looks really hard lifting up that sheet of wood. And you've got to sand it for how many hours and mm. how many coats and, and you've got to, you've got to wrap it and you've got to move it and you've got to get it. Oh, now there's another job. And, you know, and it's just kind of like, yeah, just, yeah. You know, so I've, I've threatened Matt. I've said to him, look, I'm going to set a GoPro up and just be like, here's just film a week. And just send it to all the customers and kind of go, can you mind just watching this? So next time you send through a job to quote, you kind of get that actually, like, we are trying our hardest. Ultimately, the reason we're paying people, you know, like people buy from people, we're, we think we're buying the thing, but we're not. We're, we're paying for you yeah, know, either yeah. a service or a product from a person, but we're paying the person. We're not I mean, we are buying the thing, but ultimately we are paying the person and it is about that paying people. That's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed yeah, to yeah. pay people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, you've got to feed the machine, haven't you, ultimately? Yeah. Oh, well, and got to feed us. Well, We're the machine. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it gets lost, doesn't it? It gets lost in emails. It gets lost in phone calls. It gets, I'll tell you, yeah, that's you know, that's what I would do. I'd get one of my other three. I'll have a fourth one. I'd get rid of WhatsApp. <laughs> Absolutely get rid of WhatsApp because the amount of times I get messaged by customers on WhatsApp and you just forget that ever happened. Mm. You know, you message me on WhatsApp and the next thing I've got an email and then I'm on a job. Uh, do that and that whatsapp might not get looked at then until i'm at home at nine o'clock when all the kids are in bed and i'm sat down chilled out mm. so it gets forgotten you know emails don't so yeah give it a whatsapp anyone anyone who's whatsapping for jobs just you're gonna get forgotten fast yeah. <laughs> so i'm assuming you're familiar with ubi so if there was a universal basic income how do you think that might change your work would you work as much would you still be doing what you do now? Would you work differently? How might it affect things for you? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think if I could do what I do for free, I'd still do it mm. because I enjoy what I do. Mm. Uh, don't get me wrong, in the minute we need to sort of iron out a few issues that are just general running of a business issues, but I just I enjoy doing it. And I'm not driven by money. Maybe I should be driven by money, but I'm not. I mean, I'm driven by enjoying what I do and I get paid for doing what I do. Mm. Um, so 
a universal basic income for me, I'm not really bothered, but for kind of everybody else, I am, mm. you know, and, and it kind of goes back to the realization and the, the reality of how long stuff takes and the, you know, again, illustrators, artists, creatives in that field mm. that are just undervalued for their time. There's a guy I follow him on Instagram, Spindle Printer. You might have seen him. Um, does these amazing lino prints that mm. I know for a fact take hours. And he'll sell a print. And I'm not sure how much he charges for one, but I guarantee you, you should be paying two, three, four hundred pounds for a print because mm. that's someone's what internal creativity coming out onto something that you know makes you know you, like this podcast you're making something happen that didn't exist mm. it didn't exist you've set this up no one else has and you're making it happen therefore you should be valued for that but you're doing this because you love doing it and mm. you enjoy it i hope mm. <laughs> um so therefore you're kind of valuing the enjoyment over any monetary gain mm. and you're enjoying the kind of spreading of conversation over monetary gain, the like people's kind of views and opinions over the monetary gain. And I mm. think like that, you know, that's for me the same that I enjoy building and doing things and I'm not the the monetary gain isn't the first thing it's people's happiness over what we've made which goes back to like the furniture if i make a piece of furniture you put it in your house you rub your hand over it you look at it you enjoy it you put ornaments on it you put whatever on it you sit and eat your dinner at it or you put your telly on it or whatever and it's mm. the enjoyment and you know i always say it'd be really nice to just get invited to somebody's house who i didn't know and you walked in and they bought one of your pieces of furniture and mm. you're like oh wow i did that to me is such a higher value than any monetary like exchange of this is what I'll give you for that product. But ultimately, you know, we need to, you know, the world needs to keep going around and money keeps it going. Mm. So yeah, is that, is that a, a naff answer? That's a, no. that's a bit of a, a, vague, a vague kind of skirting around the issue of it. But yeah, no. but, that's a perfectly fine answer. Yeah, I think because I think because I worked for myself before doing this, mm. and I ended up in debt, and I ended up with no money and owing money, and mm. it became such a negative that I was like, "Oh, I'm chasing everything to pay and have nothing." Yeah. So I don't want to value that. I want to value my time and my experience and my day. Mm. more so than I do the money. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't like money, I, I think, think is the yeah. I, I agree with you on that. It's bloody awful stuff, but, yeah, then, you know, but it's nice to have lots of it when you do have lots of it, though, as well. Yeah, but does it just bring different problems? You well, know? yeah. Does it, yeah. Does it, I don't know, yeah, I think... Oh yeah, I don't know. Oh yeah, I could talk forever about money, and I'd probably contradict myself a thousand times doing it. But I just find it such a 
such a stress-inducing, like... It's over in... But it's over in nothing as well, isn't it? It's like, what this this thing that didn't... You know, it's not like when we evolved money, you know, like it's not part of our biology. It's not yeah, no, exactly. real yes. in that sense. Like, one, one thing that I think is really interesting from your answer there, like... I think, and and from a work perspective as well, like it's made me think of you know when someone's passionate about something, they're they're excited about it, and they can speak with with love about it. Or someone is good at something, like you know a footballer, a painter, a, like someone who's just really good at something. Like it's enjoyable to just watch their passion or just hear the passion, isn't it? A lot of the time. And I think that's the thing as well, like you saying with building stuff, it's like being passionate about it, being interested, viewing it as a craft, wanting to get better, wanting to learn more, wanting to see what else you can do and test yourself. That creates good work. And, you know, that is good work. That's what people want to see is people enjoying themselves and people doing it well and getting better. And it's what we want to see for ourselves. But yeah, I don't think I've ever really made that connection as much with passion and and being interested in passion. Because it's even just like, you know, you must see this with your kids when they get excited about something and you're just like, I don't care about this, but I'm loving that they're loving it. Like, I'm really excited that they're excited. Yeah, that's it. And it kind of, it goes back, doesn't it, to, you know, when, when it all sort of started when I was five, six years old messing around in my dad's garage building stuff, I wasn't getting paid. There was no money. My dad wasn't going, can you build me a little go-kart, you know, so you can go down the street on it and I'll give you some money. It was because I enjoyed it. There was mm-hmm. no no ulterior innocence of that and no ulterior motive. No, I'm doing this to get something. I'm doing it because I'm losing my own thoughts and time and just getting swept up in the creativity of, I started with a few bits of wood and four wheels, and now I'm going down the street about to break my neck on some go-kart that doesn't work, you know. And, <laughs> and ultimately, that's that's what I'm still doing, but now I've got to pay a mortgage and, yeah. you know, go on a holiday or put fuel in a car or whatever. You know, mm. it's kind of like, oh, can we just not have all that money situation and just kind of enjoy it and crack on? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's do a little bit on furniture before I do that. Hand over to you, because I, yeah. I know as well that you know you've got another website with the furniture. Um, That's right. Yeah. So yeah, like I I feel that this this is going to be not ages, but will take some explaining or or that you yeah, have a bit I'm, to say on it. So okay, let's so do I'll the furniture bit. I'll be as succinct as possible. But where you were saying people talk passionately about things, this is kind of where my my passion lies. Mm. But yeah, I'll kind of I'll break it down as as quick as possible in a as a clear as possible way. Yeah, so so lockdown, lockdown kind of hit and I had nothing to do. So I, I started toying with the idea of doing a bit of furniture. And then we did a little job for a guy called Drew Millward, amazing illustrator in who lives out in Keithley Way. But it does like Bundabus posters, Northern Monk can stuff, loads of mm. like just um, 
amazing illustrations. He illustrated this kind of little outdoor shed for his son, which we machined all his illustration into it and built it for him. So I dropped that off over to him when we were allowed out and to work and machine and build and do all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you still feel cagey, don't you? I did it. Yeah. I was I wasn't, I wasn't allowed <laughs> out. Don't worry. It was okay. We, you know, I had my whole pass. Boris said there was a package deal of being allowed out, so I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, we did that. And then I was like, oh, Drew, you know, like, do you want to, if I work on a bit of furniture, like, do you want to do some illustrations and I'll etch those onto the furniture and then kind of like work with you? You've got a really good following on Insta. We don't. It's another thing to start and it's kind of a bit fresh and maybe the events and everything's going to be gone. Mm. So we've got all the machines so I can use the machines in the workshop to build furniture and sell it to people. And furniture is my passion and it's my, you know, I'm like madly in love with looking, building, creating furniture and, you know, quite a lot of the time sitting on it and doing nothing. Procrastinating. Um, (laughs) So, so we kind of started that in lockdown um, and just did it as like an Etsy and a Shopify and, and it got like sort of like fairly popular for, you know, about about a week or so mm. because of the instant hit of Instagram and mm. people putting it up. Drew posting about it and us posting about it. But ultimately, the... It kind of, it fits into everything. I've got a workshop, I can build stuff. So what I was saying to you about space, I can organize my space better. So the three the three changes, I can organize my space better if I'm making specific pieces of furniture. Mm. So I'll have the space. If I'm making furniture, I know what orders I'm getting and what I've got to make and how I've got to make it. Mm. I know what staff I need for that. So I've got the time back. Mm. Um, I can't remember what my three things were. Space, uh, time. People understanding the price of things. People understanding Realistic the price. Realistic costs, yeah. Realistic costs. So the furniture will be priced at a price it's priced at. Mm. Therefore, if you want to buy it, you'll buy it. If you don't want to buy it, you won't buy it. Mm-hmm. I don't have to argue over yeah. whether it's too expensive or not. So yeah. those three things are solved, in my opinion, by having furniture as our new way of running the business Mm. um ultimately you've then got a product that is hopefully in your house for a long period of time so Mm. your waste and your you know your sustainability as a business is far greater so i'm now making products where i know exactly what my waste is Mm. because it's not a random job that's coming next week that yeah, I'm it's the same on. amount. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to be a factory churning out stuff. Yeah, but what I want to have is a handle on what's happening and how much of it's happening and when. Yeah, that means financially, I know what we're making. It means waste. I know what's being created, and I know what space I need, and all those things. You know, it, it for me it creates a mass amount of clarity that makes it easier to run the business. Mm-hmm. Our, our industry runs at a 10 to 15% profit margin. Mm. The furniture industry runs at a 48 to 52% profit margin. Mm. But you're paying for my thoughts. You're paying for my ideas. You, 
I'm ultimately an, an artist and designer creating pieces of furniture that and therefore you would hopefully want to buy if you saw it and you liked it online or in a shop. Mm. A bit like Ikea. So the, um, you know, as someone who loves furniture and you might be like, oh my God, Ikea, you know, churning out stuff. I'm telling you now, the people who sit and design those pieces of furniture mm. are some of the smartest people creating things for furniture in the world because they're great, you know. Mm. If you can't put it together, it's not IKEA's fault, I can guarantee you. It's because you've not read the instructions and you've not quite done it right because mm. they're, it's a great way of working. So that as a concept and our creativity as a concept, I kind of wanted to put both together and mm. kind of be like, look, we can make flat pack furniture that's affordable for most, but has a bit more design about it. There's mm. something about it that isn't... If you buy a piece of IKEA furniture, chances are somebody else has got that in... Somebody else in your friend's group has got that in their house and you'll see the same thing. Mm. Whereas I'd quite like to have something where your friends come around and they go, oh, well, that's really cool. That's like an IKEA piece of furniture, but really cool. And you go, yeah, it is, but it's from this place and... Actually, it's really unique because it's been tied in with this illustrator. So mm. it's actually kind of a bit of a one-off, albeit other people are buying it. So, mm. but yeah, I mean, this is like the worst sales pitch for a business in the world. But um, <laughs> so what I wanted to do is, because I'm so used to working with customers, mm. I wanted to do all the pieces of furniture, all the ranges of furniture as collaborations because mm. because we work with customers. All day, every day, there has there's a there's a deadline. There's a you know a responsibility. You've got to you've got to get it done. You've got to create it for that person and that company or whoever, wherever. Whereas with the furniture, for me, it was too far on the first quarter, the first third of the bloatiness of stress. There wasn't enough stress. I wasn't. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah have to achieve yeah. it for a reason. I was just yeah. doing it. So by putting a collaboration on there, I have to do it because they're expecting it to be done. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. And I've got the next range, literally, honestly, it was ready to launch. I'd photographed it, had marketing ready, had everything ready. And then Russia invaded the Ukraine and I couldn't get the materials. Well, the price went so high and then yeah. I couldn't get them. So it completely put the pin in it. So yeah, it's it's a constant niggle in the back of my mind that I've started something and not yet finished it. And it's such a nice range of furniture as well, in my humble opinion. You've got fact, you've got the website up though. Now, website. Yeah. So there's a piece here. I don't know if I can turn my camera around. Let me see. I've got it in my house. Here we go. There's a kettle. Oh crap. So I'll move my bag. I'll move the bin. So I've got this piece here. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a, uh, it's taken off the design of a William Morris who did like lots of like wallpaper and mm -hmm. it's a recliner chair. So it's like a real manual reclining chair, mm. real clunky, but that along with like a bureau mm. and a few of the bits. And we were working with North Star Coffee Shop in Leeds, and they're the collaboration. 
So they were a real nice company to collaborate with. Working from home, coffee, sitting, relaxing, mm. coffee, sitting <laughs> at <your> desk. <laughs> all kind of working in nicely. And then, yeah, Putin came along with his massive pin and burst my balloon. Mm. But very, very minor compared to what he's actually doing. Yeah, um, being on the but, brunt end of it, yeah. But yeah, exactly. But I suppose it shows how it's affecting everybody. You know, it's mm. affecting it's affecting people that you don't necessarily expect it to affect. It's not affecting me mm. negatively. It's not affecting me emotionally, but it's certainly such an element of frustration in there. But it's also educated me a lot on, you know, there's other materials out there. There's, you know, there's other ways of doing things. And yeah. So, so yeah. So the furniture is my passion, my, my, uh, need to scratch of a niche and I've not yet scratched it. Well, watch this space folks. I think that's the, that's the area of growth, isn't it? It's like, yeah, it's I a think, nut for yeah. you to crack. And I think you probably will crack it. I just think we're so set up in the, you know, in, uh, in, in from the workshop, literally as a, as a physical setup, we've got the setup to do it. It's taking that leap from knowing that we've got work to then just doing that. You know, we know we've got work. We know what we're doing. We know our industry. We, we've got orders coming in. We're making money to just hard, fast change to furniture is not viable to slowly change to it is equally quite difficult because you've got your other commitments you've got to work on so yeah it, yeah it's uh time you know time again you know and it's it's finding the time to do it just a quick question just for my own personal interest did you see the chippendale exhibition at leeds museum by any chance no i haven't no no i didn't it know. was a while ago to... but um I yeah yeah, I think you would have enjoyed that. Yeah, because he yeah, had a workshop. He had a workshop in Leeds, didn't he? Yeah, well, you've got yeah. I mean, so I grew up with my parents. Well, my parents going to um, Aberford Pine and spent many a year going around pine shops and then Mouse Manor Kilburn uh, and seeing all that kind of stuff. And I then saw quite a lot of the I think it was in the DNA. Potentially, years ago. Mm. Not a lot of times time to even know about it. <laughs> no, well, most of these things, you, you you see them after they've been on, don't you? You're kind of like, oh, that look, oh, it's, yeah. it's gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, give us all your socials. Where can people find you? So the company is FreeCreate. Um, so the website is freecreate.co.uk. Instagram, FreeCreate. So I think it's three underscore create. And that's the free create Instagram. We've got one for the furniture, but I'll leave that one for now only because we've got Leanne with Butterflump who gave me some great advice to start with where I'd separated them off, but she's going to bring them back together as one. So it'll be three mm. create and the furniture side of it, which at the minute it's called tangible, but which I really like the name of tangible and mm. it's something we've got and can touch. So yeah, three, three underscore create is Instagram. Free creates the website. If you want to come to the workshop and have a look around and just nosy about, we're always more than welcome for people to just come in and have a look and see what we do and get an understanding of it. Because one, you don't know where that leads job-wise. And two, I like to 
show people like stuff they don't normally see on a daily mm. basis. Mm. And we're, ba- we're based out in Nottingley, which is just ne- near Pontefract, just outside of Leeds, purely because rent is an yeah. absolute steal out there compared to Leeds. We were we got being priced out, but we didn't value a big open space to be that much money when mm. you can get it cheaper elsewhere. Yeah. But yeah, any, any anyone's welcome anytime. Cool. Uh, anything you want to like discuss? Throw in there at the end. I mean, we've been talking for a while, and so understandable if you don't. But yeah, if you want to say anything. Um. Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know if there's much more for me to to add or waffle mm. on about. Mm. I mean, I, I like. I know. I think it's. I think it's a good thing to give people that sort of space at the end. But by the end of of that, you're kind of like, I think I've talked about everything. <laughs> I don't think people need to know any more about me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they should share my life story. What more do you want? I think. Um, I think it's. I think for. I think from my point of view, if you, I suppose maybe a, an in, an encouragement or an advice thing of you might know, like just yeah. You know, I gave it a go and failed and I gave it a go again and it's doing all right. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here saying I'm, you know, Mr. Business Entrepreneur Millionaire because I'm not, but I enjoy it. And that's the key thing. You know, if it doesn't work out, just keep going. You know, that's, it's, uh, there's always another opportunity. Yeah. I can't say there's a better lesson than that. So I'm going to stop the recording there. So thank you very much for doing this, Paul. And... Not a problem. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Good, good. Thank you again to Paul for being my guest. Thanks, as always, to all my guests. And thanks to you, Leeds, for being my subject. And if you're in Leeds or from Leeds, if you are Leeds, then please come on the show. Yes, I am speaking to you. I still need to find 897 loyalists to interview. So being a guest is the greatest help. You will enjoy it 100% satisfaction so far, as far as I know. Remember to like, share, follow and subscribe to Working Hours and please consider supporting Working Hours financially with either a regular or one-off donation of any amount. You can email Working Hours at workinghourspod at western-studios. You can email Working Hours at workinghourspod at western-studios.com. Okay, that's me. Work for peace and plan with kindness. Take care out there, Leeds. Cheers, ears. Take care out there and be kind to each other, Leeds. Working Hours is produced, recorded, edited and published by Simon Treen for Western Studios Leeds Limited. The music was The Bees from Chopin's Etudes, which is in the public domain and was taken from museopen.org. Follow Western Studios Leeds on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash western underscore studios underscore leads and on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash western hyphen studios. Western Studios Leeds will help you realise your podcast for only £25 for an hour of podcast work. Need podcast production, recording, editing or any podcast admin doing? Need it all doing? Do you want or need a podcast host or co-host for your podcast project? Then get in touch with Western Studios Leeds Limited. Email makemypodcast at western-studios.com to get your podcast made. I am available to third sector organisations, small to medium sized businesses and individuals who want to make podcasts or create other digital audio content. 
Want to make some fundraising case studies? Want to show off your expertise in your field? Want some help creating your show and format or just some support learning to podcast and getting going? Whatever your podcast needs, get in touch with Western Studios Leads. Go to western-studios.com and use the contact page to drop me a message about either working hours or about your own podcast project.